This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HardcoreHusky.com, covering Washington Huskies football with message boards full of debauchery and childlike wonder. Folks who are well-known in cyberland and not that dumb, except for our little fudgy who is wrong about everything. So come join the gang and register today for free at HardcoreHusky.com. And now it's time for the show. Well, a very frustrating night for the Washington Huskies against a one-dimensional, mediocre Michigan football team in Ann Arbor. Uh, the Huskies have the most unimaginative offense in recent memory. Uh, and the only teams I could think of would be like the 2005 and 2004 offenses for the Huskies. And then before I was born, 1969. Um, all of our concerns about the John Donovan hire are coming to fruition like a nightmare from which we cannot awaken. And uh, after rushing for a paltry 64 yards against Montana, what is going on? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I had ESPN on there in the uh, for the uh, scoreboard, and then they started playing highlights. So uh, I kind of, they kind of just said uh, whatever. So after rushing for a paltry 64 yards against Montana, the Huskies managed a mere 50 tonight against Michigan at 1.6 yards a carry. And meanwhile, we, the Huskies gave up uh, 350 yards rushing. A 31-10 loss to Michigan was the final result, and all of this coming on a day when the Oregon Ducks beat Ohio State in Columbus. I'm joined, as always, with Wooly Doog and Joey Dangerously. And, uh, Wooly, we'll start with you this time. Uh, just your your thoughts hey. on what we witnessed there. I mean, I think there was some hope that we had that were like, you know what, maybe the team, you know, didn't show what they could do against Montana and they overlooked them and they, you know, they held the playbook back. And that was just like, you know, kind of like how Oregon, you know, uh, you know, I, you're like, Oh, they probably held it back against Fresno state, but they got the win. And you're like, maybe they did. And they, they saved for Ohio state clearly. Uh, that was not the case. Uh, that's a bad Michigan team. Um, yes. I mean, the history of, the history of any time Washington's played Michigan, that's got to be the worst Michigan team they've ever played by far. Uh, that's got to be, I don't think Carbaugh's going to survive the season. That's just flat out embarrassing. And it reminded me a lot of, yeah, the Gilbertson years uh, where in the, in the Willingham years where you're just watching a game and you have no hope. Uh, you might, the score might not be indicative of, you know, there was even Sark years where Sark might've bombed some games worse, but you were like, going in or early on, it, it seemed like they were playing a game where this just felt like, you know, a slow death of they might not get blown out, but that's also because Michigan knows that they can just run the ball and yes. run the clock out and score. They're going to hit a couple runs, and uh, Washington's not going to do anything. So why they don't need to score 56 to, to win the game, and that's almost worse. I would almost lose those train wreck. Sark got shit-faced in Scottsdale night before. We're going to lose – 52 to 14 against someone, but it's all going to come in a hurry and that team's going to be enthusiastic. It's just death and I don't know where to go from here. Er, Oh, I'll just say real quick. Okay. Oh, I'll just say real quick. I'll just say while Wooly was talking there, it was like the, the, what he said sparked something. It was like the 2004 game in Oregon uh, at, at Autzen stadium. And that was when Casey Paz was a quarterback I think we had one really long throw to Craig Chambers, and that was it, and we lost 24-6. to 6. 
and you look at the score and go, well, they they didn't win, but it wasn't a blowout, but it was like Oregon was high-flying and we weren't, and that was like it was an annihilation, and it felt very much the same. But uh, please, please go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say early it looked uh, early second quarter it looked like Harbaugh figured out like oh we don't need to we don't need to chuck the ball around the yard and they couldn't that was not a it's not a good passing team uh, Michigan brought out there uh, but they didn't need it um, yeah Derek do you remember two thousand everybody remembers two thousand eight do you remember it's- do you remember what the first play against uh, Notre Dame was when they played Notre Dame? Do you remember what the first play of the game was? The delay of game? Delay of fucking game. Uh, coming off a of bye week. So so this Washington Husky team won-upped them just a tad, but uh, at least – and that was at home. But still, this is a delay of game was their first week. They had all week to prepare, get better – Get ready for Michigan. Uh, get pumped up to be in the big house. Delay a fucking game. Okay. Uh, leave John Donovan in Ann Arbor tonight. How does he survive? How does he survive it? This this is unacceptable. Midway through the fourth quarter, they start to throw the ball like down the field, and all of a sudden the offense looks comfortable in the fourth quarter. What why is what is going on here? They're they're not ready to play against Montana or Michigan. Doesn't matter. I'm terrified. We're not even going to go to the Arkansas State game for a hundred different reasons. I'm I'm terrified. They're going to lose to Arkansas State next week, and I, I have I'm sure Arkansas State's the most confident Arkansas State's ever been coming to any non-conference game ever. Uh, well, I, I'm assuming that Ryan Leaf has now adjusted his uh, UW prediction to ten and two now. And poison um, the program. Poison <laughs> the program. He inflicted. He inflicted <laughs> cougar venom and <laughs> cougar voodoo well, on the on the Husky program. I mean, but, I won't get too off topic, but one of the things I want to say is that the voodoo, it really feels like there's a voodoo on this program. Because I would say even going back to Stark years, why this Husky team never could have got Michigan any other year. They never could have got Michigan. You know, I, I feel like even in Stark years, Michigan has not been good, and the Huskies have been, you know, functional, and they could have beat Michigan. This is the one year where they would have got run by Michigan post-Willingham, and they get Michigan this year. This is the year they get Michigan, and it's just like, how is that the case? You know, like, they this program just seems like there's a voodoo, and that's my only point on that. Well, you know, Jimmy Lake, I believe it was on August 24th, was talking to reporters, and he said, that the uh, this year's offensive line was the one of the big strengths, if not the biggest strength on the team. And I'm going to leave it right there, as he said, quote, unquote. Um, Terrible. We rushed for 64 yards against Montana and 50 against Michigan. I, 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 Gross. 
That, that those are like 1945 numbers. <laughs> I mean, I. I, I that no, I, 1945, I, I, they'd have been playing the single wing. I mean, <laughs> where, where, where's race? Race was there. <laughs> I mean, you got. I, I don't. The defense also ahead. has a turnover. They're eight quarters in, including four against an FCS opponent. They had and a terrible, terrible tear offense. Defense hasn't even gotten close. They haven't had a sack or created a turnover, and they haven't made a special team a positive special teams play. They haven't. I don't know if they've had a positive return. Uh, they haven't been close to blocking a punt. No, um, I think Montana missed their last field goal. Other than that, everyone's made their field goals against them. Uh, you know, I mean it's. Yeah, that that defense quite has not had a sack. I, I mean, I can't imagine how many tackles for loss they've even had against the run. It can't be more. It, it can't be more than you know one or two. It's just a complete failure in every facet of the game. Uh, this isn't even a situation to me where you could just say he's going to do it and he's going to keep that John Don get out of jail free card. What's well, not in his back pocket? Where oh, we fired Donovan, so no, the offense is broken. But the defense has been. Terrible too. I mean, if that was if that was Ohio State, they would have given up, you know, fifty nine oh. points. Uh, yes. On, on on defense, they just got lucky. They played a Michigan. They team. got worn down. Yeah, they I got mean, completely worn down. To me, I said it was the non conference two thousand and eight Apple Cup, <laughs> basically. Yeah, you uh, you start you you uh, start to watch the defensive line, and you realize uh, realize why Jeremiah Martin is here. Not at A and M anymore. I mean, not just not cutting it. And how we have we have four D linemen come in in one year: uh, Tuli, Taimani, Tuatelli, and Bandis. Did Ngalu come in the same year? He was one of them. They were just one of them. Oh, like Sama Pama. Sama Pama. Yeah, well, not one of them's good. Not one is not good. one of them is like legit good. Tuli, they get pushed back. Tuli seems like a guy who a decent, your second best D tackle. The rest can't play, and they're three. I think some are four years in the program, and they they can't they can't hold up. I mean, uh, that's yeah. That's as Joey said, we're starting to get these positions where. They stacked four-star guy after supposed four-star guy at, like, offensive line, you know, in the defensive backfield at safety. And not one of them is even, like, a a good Pac-12 player. They're guys who are, you know, back to the Willingham and Gilby days where they're just not functional. I'm confident in, in like, Gordon and McDuffie. That's it. That, that's it. That's it. I'm confident in Gordon and McDuffie. Everyone else. I was worried Gordon was a Duke. Uh, leading up to this year because he hadn't really done anything except down punts inside the five. But, <laughs> I mean, he's making some plays. You know, he's making some plays and some tackles. Uh, now it's, it's, you know, but, Mc, I mean, McDuffie's the best player on the defense right now. On the team. Well, Ulo Foscio. <laughs> Ulo Foscio. Him and Otten. Yeah, Ulo Foscio. But, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's looking pretty. It's, uh, it's, looking it's pretty grim. Bad. It's looking really bad. And it's only going to go downhill from here. So, um, 
there's people on the boards uh, talking about 0-12. It's not going to be 0-12. The defense is good enough to 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 do something, but we're looking at we're probably looking at three and nine, four and eight. The defense um, sucks too. Yeah, the defense is not good. If they would have played Ohio State or not Oregon good. jaggy off- offensive guys who supposedly Washington didn't even want who actually make their plays. They would have given up 50. They just got lucky. That Michigan team is bad. That Michigan offense is historically bad. Uh, oh, they're going to struggle to win seven games, I think. Yeah, they're, oh, they're going to struggle to win four games. Yeah, I think they're uh, a little better than that, but but not much. Yeah, their defense might be decent. I mean, they're going to go down to Corvallis on a Friday night. That's like. Man. Like I'm, I'm worried about that game. <laughs> like, like that Aiden Hutchinson guy reminded me of the new, the late New Idaho Gilby years, where they would play a guy who was just like okay, like the Matt, <laughs> the Ball brothers at UCLA, oh, the Balls, yeah, or, or Nick, Nick Reed, Nick, Nick Reed, Reed, or Simon Fraser at <laughs> Ohio State. And these guys were just like having five sacks, and then the rest of the year they're like, oh, what that guy finished with? Oh, seven and a half sacks it's the whole season, four against Washington. And it's just like any guy with like a light amount of talent was just like God uh, on the D line because the offensive line. Was the, uh, Twenty was, years of that. Twenty years, except for a few years under Peter. Who was the guy from Arizona? Uh, wasn't Brooks Reed? Was Scooby it? Scooby Wright? Scooby Wright. Right. Oh my God! Yes. Evan Weaver. Yes. Oh God, Evan. We- yeah, Boss Baby. I mean, you know, looking back, the sem the. The initial of the thing of, you know, we know Peterson burned out. They still got to the Rose Bowl, even though he just burnt out. You know, that seminal moment of when something was wrong with that stupid Evan Weaver comment of, like, we have a better culture than ours. And it was turned out to be true. Something was broken with the culture because this team should not be this fast. And word was out. And people who probably were in those circles, knew guys on the team, knew the coaches, knew. And that was, you know, you lost to an average Cal team. With superior, you had superior talent twice, twice in a row, and your offense with you know, uh, you know, Ethan, who's a guy who's a backup NFL quarterback at least, and Ahmed, uh, Ga- I guess Gaskin didn't play the year before. You know, we had NFL guys we lost to Cal twice and couldn't score at all. You know, word was out, so I think we're we're finding out that everyone knew that this was coming probably in some way, hence why no one was signing up to play there. And I don't, it's going to be bad. We're, they're going to be like Penn state after Sandusky, even if they fire Jimmy or don't, we're like, who's going to play. They're going to have to find walk-ons to play. Who's going to want to coach. Who's going to want to be an assistant. Well, I'm sure the New York jets have a groundskeeper that's looking for maybe a change of scenery. <laughs> you know, the Jaguars, the Jaguars, you know, <laughs> Oh, I'm I trying mean, to change it up a little for my humor, but yeah, I I think realistically where they go from here is they're not going to fire Jimmy. They might fire Donovan, and it's a game by game. You try beat Arkansas State. You have Cal at home who sucks. You try to beat Cal somehow at home. You go at the Beef, and you're just going to try to win games. And I don't know. I don't think uh, I think the Pac-12 outside of Oregon and UCLA, it's going to be really bad. Uh, so maybe you can string together some wins, maybe get to a bowl game or something. But where, what are you building for? I mean, what, what's the future? No one's going to be left. Everyone's going to transfer out now with, with, with the way college football is now. Everyone's going to transfer out, and they're not signing anyone. 
So you have to, to my opinion, final statement, I'm done talking for the night, you have to blow it up <laughs> ASAP or else you're totally screwed. Hire Deion Sanders. Or the guy from, from North Dakota State. <laughs> yeah, I, well, Deion Sanders just went into uh, went into Tallahassee and beat Florida State tonight. So. Oh, did he really? Oh, I didn't hear yeah. about. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to, and Willie, if you don't mind, I would I would like to get your comment on something real quick, and then we'll we'll conclude. But, um, and, and this is a sincere, serious question. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. There's no joke here or anything like that. Um, I really don't know the answer. Do you guys think there's any chance at all that behind closed doors, when it's just Jen Cohen and Jimmy Lake, that Jen Cohen is looking across the desk at him with with a serious look on her face and saying, "Jimmy, this recruiting, it's it, it is it's not going to cut it. We're going to be in serious trouble, and you're going to force me into a bad, a tough decision here." Do you think that conversation is being had at all? Well, Do you think there's any honesty? Like- Willie Duke went to the bathroom to vomit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then take it away. uh, I'll answer. And I think it's – I'm so inclined to say no. I think there's so many emails, uh, probably by donors, boosters, where uh, Jen has to have the uncomfortable conversation – and uh, Willie Duke leaving. He's out. out. He's out. Thank you. He's, he's, that beat was really good. He's, 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 he's headed to L.A. right now as we speak. He's going to talk he, to Chipper. He's going to go talk to Chipper and come, back, come up to Washington. Uh, I think uh, – I think she feels like she has to have the uncomfortable conversation now. Um, you know, hey, Jimmy, you know, this offense is not really working. And Jimmy probably goes like, what do you know about offense? <laughs> and he's like, she's like, I, don't uh, know. I know that, I know that uh, a couple million dollars in donations aren't coming. <laughs> That's what I know about offense. Well, here's the deal. Jimmy is, is, is all hat and no cattle. And um, he's a fake tough guy. I called him out. He's a fake tough guy. <laughs> the thing, <laughs> what was it? Purple Bays posted something a few days ago about Marcus Peters was on to something when he choked him out. <laughs> Possibly, yes. That was... <laughs> I'm laughing because it's funny, but it's also not funny. But um, I, 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 I guess we'll just. Uh, I guess my final comment will be is that um, I don't know if Jen how how cognizant or aware Jen Cohen is, but that this thing can really go off a cliff very soon, and I don't know if she knows that or not. And um, you know that Upper Campus isn't putting the slightest bit of pressure on her, and you know that Jimmy's safe for at least another couple of years unless there's a scandal, and I don't expect there to be one. Um, these are these are going to be very grim, dark times. Well, wait till he gets his guys in there, right? 
Well, I mean, you, you know, it'll be very interesting, like, in this coming week, too. Uh, we know that Mike Varell is going to call things as they are, but, like, the rest of the media, it'll be very interesting to say whether or not. You know, Washington showed a lot of fight in the fourth quarter there, and uh, you got to give the kids credit or whether they're going to call a spade a spade and, and, and describe things as they really are. Uh, it'll, that'll be interesting because it'll also help dictate what is going to happen in the, uh, not the near future, but a few months down the road or a year from now. Um, cause this, we're, we're going to, we're going to literally turn into like Syracuse or something. Never mind Minnesota. We're going to be like Syracuse and it's just going to be over. Oh, I, I was, I was terrified of becoming Minnesota until Peterson showed up. Uh, I mean, I just figured, oh, we'll just be a seven-win team for the rest of my life, and I'll be stuck with this team. I can't leave this team, you know. And then Pete showed up, uh, somehow managed to get a, the right mixture of his guys and Sark guys, and you know, won. And then I, I'm starting to, I'm starting to really turn on my appreciation for Pete. Uh, I mean, he fucking bailed on this program. Completely bailed on it. Had no motivation for a Rose Bowl, which is what we all want to get to. You know, if it's mm-hmm. not a Final Four or national championship, this is what we all grew up living for, was getting to a Rose Bowl. And, you know, I'm starting to just have a real sour taste toward them. You know, he he hated the media, he hated the media so much he went to work for them. I, I don't <laughs> that bad. I never thought me. of it that way. And he's not well, exactly well, Mr. Personality either, you know. So I, I, I see him on the Fox, uh, yes. one of the like pregame show or halftime report or whatever bullshit program they have that I'm not really watching. But I see him on it and I'm going, what? What is this? Why are you on Colin Cowherd's show? What you won't do any local interviews now? All of a sudden, you're you're Mr. Gregarious and and uh, all over the all over TV now. Uh, wh- who is this fucking guy we see? I, I it's just uh, I'm starting. To just I, I hear what you're saying. Real, real sour about this program. At least with at least with Willingham, you knew it was rock bottom, and you knew there was nowhere to go but up. This program, <laughs> the, but this this time this time around, you're you're going. They're not going to fire Lake. They're not going to fire Lake. They still have talent. Allegedly, they have way more talent than you know Willingham years. I mean, your you know your eyes just don't don't lie. There were a lot of there were a lot of NFL players on Williams 2018 actually, but um, uh, but this but this team would in theory would be able to soundly beat the 018 in theory. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, we'd take uh, I'd take Donald Butler and Mason Foster right now. I'd take I'd take Jake Lochner. Jermaine Curse and yeah, you know C.J. Wallace. So um, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, well Wallace was 07, I think when he was out. I think 08 uh, he was like uh, 
I think 08, we were oh, stuck you're right. with, like, you're right. Mess, we were stuck with, like, Messman Forrester, maybe, and, uh... <laughs> and who, who was the kid out of Franklin? Uh, uh, Richardson. Richardson. Quentin oh, Richardson. Quentin Richardson. Quentin Richardson. I think, wasn't he a... Was he Franklin or O'Day? Yeah, it was a Seattle school. I mean, as soon as I see his name or in my mind's eye, and I'm sorry to say this uh, about him, but the immediate thing that comes to mind was that photo in the Seattle Times after we lost the Apple Cup, and he was just basically uh, a face plant on the on the uh, Martin Stadium turf after giving up a long touch or a long throw down the sideline. Was it Tripper? No, 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 no. It was Richardson. He was, he was. Oh, Qu- oh, oh, you're talking about Quentin still. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, that's what sorry I'm saying. For, is like, it's like, sorry as, for all the, sorry for all the wrists, for all the razor blades of the wrists. I just caught my Canadian <laughs> tripper. <laughs> <laughs> well, so and, and Derek, uh, I, Derek, I think we teased it enough. Yep. What the so, fuck is going on with McGrew? Wow. Oh, oh, that's what right. What is the McGrew thing? What's going on? What is, well, I'm hope- What kind of dog? Is he in the doghouse? If he's in the doghouse, we have Ty 2.0. Why did he come back? I, I don't know. I do know from experience that uh, during the games, especially when the games aren't very exciting, that the uh, sports writers in the in the press box that they'll uh, they go around to the different message boards during the game to see what's going on. So I did post that thing where I PM to Mike Varell, hey, go ask the coach what's going on with McGrew. Um, right. You know, why did he come back for a sixth year if he's not even going to touch the ball once? And all this, uh, you know, as we talked about at the onset of the show, was like, you know, Michigan stacking the box with eight, and then we just run up the middle repeatedly, and it was just like, what am, what am I watching here? And it's like, why not spread things out and get a, a fast uh, guy in the backfield like McGrew, try to do a little misdirection thing and like the Ducks do, and then, you know, go one direction and pitch to McGrew going the other and try some things. But, no, we just kept going plotting right up the middle, right into a brick wall. Well, there's no, you know, when Newton's in the game, there's really no threat of throwing him the ball. No, great point. I can't think of him. I can't think of him uh, catching a ball at all. Even the last couple of years, I'm sure there's probably a, you know, I'm sure he's got a stat of like three catches for two yards or something from last year, but. I just don't – you know, not that I desperately want him in the game. We saw Pleasant for, like, one play. And I'm I'm sitting there going, like, I don't – I'm not begging at night for Pleasant to get a bunch of playing time. But you accepted him back for his sixth year. Yes. And you're not going to let him play. And then – and then McGrew – to accept him back for a sixth year and then never to even let him see the field and then not to explain it like, oh, he's suspended, he, you know, he's hurt, he's got COVID. He's suited up. He's ready to play. So this that's just baffling to me. Like, I'm, I'm wondering if 
I'm wondering if Jimmy's lost like the locker room based on a couple decisions like that. Like, well, there's one thing to exuberant at practice, you know, they can't play. I I don't know. I don't, and I don't know that he's lost the team in the sense that um, the defense, even though it gave up 350 yards rushing, um, it, it, they played hard. They didn't like give up. They're just, no, it's just, they're not being coached well. And it's just, and then offensively, despite the little bit of the flash in the fourth quarter there, they're just not well coached. They're just not a, a cohesive unit. And the one thing is like, you go, Oh, they played so terribly last week, but it was the first game of the year. So maybe they need to iron the kinks out or whatever. But of course, you know, they're going up against an FCS front there that was averaging, I don't know, uh, 250 pounds or something. And, you know, they rushed for more yards against Montana than they did against Michigan. And it's like two of the worst rushing performances probably in my lifetime, I think, for the Huskies. Um, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm just, you know, speechless. I don't even know what to say. It's, it's, it's horrible. And it's like, I, I don't know that like McGrew's being too animated in practice, so they won't let him play. I don't think that that's it, and I don't, I don't know that Jimmy frowns upon that. But you know, how many times, like throughout the course of your lifetime, how many times have you seen the Huskies play the Cougs? It's the middle of the third quarter. The Huskies are ahead, but the Cougars are still within uh, shouting distance, and they get a key stop. The Cougs do, and they're going to get the ball back, and then one of the Cougar players does something stupid and they get the big penalty, and then we get the ball with the fifth. We retain possession, and we get the 15-yard penalty, and, you know, two plays later we score a touchdown, and it's really over. And that's us now. <laughs> probably probably about 35 of my 39 years on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that, the, and that's just immaturity and bad coaching when you see it as a pattern, you know? Yeah, right. I I don't uh, this you know, today there wasn't a lot of mistakes, but it, but it almost felt like they were trying to play mistake-free. It it uh Yeah, offensively for sure. Yeah. Offensively, I'm the runs up the middle with Newton, I I'm I'm done. I I can't I can't I, I can't I can't watch it anymore. It it's a you know, it's a sore tooth. It's a, it's like a sore tooth where you're you're laying in bed at night and you got a sore tooth that's throbbing. That's what the runs up the middle with Newton are about. It's, it's just it's throbbing. I can't. I have to call a fucking dentist now. I can't 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 deal with it anymore. Got to do something. Oh hey, look, Coach Pete on TV. Fuck you, Apple. <laughs> Well, um, I guess before we conclude, we'll, we'll look at a couple of interesting things here. First of all, at halftime, Stanford's up over USC 21-10. to 10. What are your thoughts there? Uh, USC's soft. I, I, it was one of the uh, – probably was the first pod. I really wanted to play Utah and USC, not UCLA and uh, yes. Colorado or whomever, Arizona, one of the – I don't know. One of the other schools, uh, I think. I think Washington would, uh, as bad as this team is, I think Washington might 
get USC to just wilt and quit on the game. <laughs> and Stanford, Stanford called it early. They benched their, you know, they, they had their starting quarterback. And they said, this guy can't beat Washington. We need to put the other guy in, and he'll beat Washington. Now they're rolling. They're going to roll. Stanford, Stanford's going to be a threat in the north now because they, they figured out the quarterback that's going to beat the Huskies. And that's what they have. So, you know what, though? It doesn't even matter who we play at this point now, does it? No, it doesn't really. You know, so, so I, I mean, I'm I'm literally looking at who the next HUD coach could be. I, I'm that just I'm de- that down on this program. I I can't I can't put up with it anymore. Are we the one program across the country where half the fan base tells the other half the fan base that you're taking it too seriously? Are, are we really? That's that, a good question. That, are we really that one program where? where it's like that, you know why we take it seriously. We've fucking seen it before. Yes. I've seen the team be great. I, I, the reason I'm a fan of this team is because when I was uh, – hold on, i got to do Cedra Woolley math here. <laughs> I'll come back when in 40 was, minutes. When I was <laughs> – I'll take a bathroom break here. But, but, when I was nine and a half years old, we won a national title. And Billy Joe Hobart is still my favorite player ever. I over Entman because cause he was a big dick swinging quarterback. We've seen it before. That's why we take this shit seriously. That's why we, we're proud of that 2000 Rose Bowl team because deep down – we all know it was like a six and six team that lucked into like five wins, five yep. comeback, four or five comeback wins that we all witnessed in our own eyes, and that that team is important to us. We've seen yes. this shit before. That's why it's important to us. We're not we're not Purdue. We're not Vanderbilt. Uh, we're not Mississippi State. We're not Texas Christian. We've seen this shit before. We're not a lo- we're not a loser program. We're it, it looks like we're trying to be a loser program now. That's well, you why, know, it, we, that's why it's important to us. And you say that it's so important to us because we've seen it before. And then you cite the thing from thirty years ago. But then you know the older boosters from thirty years ago that were so they their passion matched ours. Uh, back then is because they had then seen the three Rose Bowls from the Owens years. And they knew what it was like, and that that foundation was there. And this thing, the where it's going now, people aren't going to remember anything. They're going to remember a fun little season where we went to the uh, the playoff or whatever. But it's not the same thing. And we, you know, and um, as I've said before on the boards, you know, the one of the things that I, I always said that. That Coach Pete, you know, obviously deserved credit for helping to elevate the program, but at the same time, he never had that crowning achievement of a big-time win in the Fiesta Bowl or the Rose Bowl or a playoff win. Uh, those were all games where we never really had a chance. 
the score might have been close. Like I think we only lost by three to Penn State, but we were we were trailing, and they it was basically like today's game where they did they knew they were could put it in Penn State knew they could put it in cruise control because they were going to beat us, and then we had a late touchdown or two to help close the score. But um, same with Ohio State. Yep. 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 Ohio yep. State did well, the same thing. Well, I, I mean, State Alabama, going into that, Al- Alabama in the I knew we poll. Uh, Jalen Hurts had, I think, 55 yards passing. That was today. Yep. They just, they just were like, well, you know, we can't throw on this this secondary because it's actually an NFL secondary, but we can hand it to Bo Scarborough and just wear him down because their offense can't score. Uh, I mean, that was kind of like today. Because it's actually kind of a major insult when when a team like Michigan only throws for 44 yards and like 12 of their first 13 plays in the second half to start the second half were runs. And they weren't even like dynamic runs where they were toss sweeper or reverse or anything. It was just basically off tackle stuff. And um, well, like you, you said, notice, they, they, if you notice their running back, you know, a lot of times when they'd get the ball, they'd, they'd have like a little, like, not a, not a juke, not like a shuffle, just a little like hesitation, right? To let a block get set up. That's not something Dick Newton does. Dick Newton just no. runs. You know, he'll, he'll like do some stupid icky shuffle wiggle in the background, or he'll just run so fast into the line where he can't even make a move. And that's that's kind of the difference between good running backs and just you know just guys who can carry the ball and not fumble. This is going to sound like a horrible insult, and I'm, and it's obviously not a compliment. But I'm not trying to make it sound uh, as retarded as it's going to sound. But when I was How about five you? years old, <laughs> but when I was about five years old, I had I don't even know what you call it, but I had that stupid thing when I was five where it was like you put all these players that are like little toy soldiers on the thing and then you click the button and it vibrates and then the running back would like run up into the line and just basically vibrate and bounce against the blockers. You know what I'm talking about? I don't even – and I'm a little bit older than you, so you're laughing, though, so you must know what I'm talking about. Like um, electric football? do Do you know what I mean? I'd say, yeah, I used to have like an electric football machine. <laughs> I mean, it was pitiful. I, I, all I remember is it was the Dallas Cowboy uh, home field, and uh, you just put these guys on there, and then you push the button, and then they would vibrate, and uh, yeah. and they would move around and stuff. It was pitiful. But anyways, the best was I, – I, 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 it's not that I think that um, that Newton's the worst running back in history. I'm not trying to say that, but it, it, it just reminds me of that where he just runs up into the line. And um, – one of the announcers on the ABC broadcast was even criticizing. I, I think it was him and not Pleasant, though. But um, it was a, it was a third and short, and he just runs. He he's not leaning forward into the pile to try to stretch and 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 plow forward and burrow in there. He he goes in like vertically straight up, up and down, and just runs into the line. And it's like who's coaching these people? I mean, it's like, yeah, I, you know. 
Yeah, it's it's baffling. I, I have to uh I have to offer a correction because people are yelling. I thought oh, it was okay. Jackson State. I thought it was Jackson State and Deion Sanders that beat Florida State. It was Jacksonville State. So Oh, I think my correction there. <laughs> so it's probably probably a lot worse that Florida State lost to Jackson. So you Bill officially State. you officially retract your contract offer to Deion Sanders now. It, I'm retracting it. <laughs> um, and I guess the last thing to to, to mention that's worth mentioning. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, the the last thing though that does bear mentioning is that. Uh, I was reading. Uh, I think it was. I think it was this morning. Um, I keep very weird hours, and it's like four thirty in the morning, and I'm and I'm sipping coffee, and I'm reading this article where it was like just somebody from Austin newspaper, an Austin Texas newspaper, and Texas is back. This is Texas the way it's supposed to be. Um, <laughs> and then they they lose forty to twenty one to, to Arkansas, and they give up like five hundred yards offense. And I saw Sark's face as he was heading towards midfield to shake the Arkansas coach's hand while the Arkansas fans rush the field, you know. <laughs> that that was a little – that put a smile on my face, and uh, so the day wasn't all bad. Uh, I, I – Sark, man, I don't uh, – that's how bad – that's how desperate people get for coaches these days. Yes, yes, yes. Texas – Hired Sark. And you know, played him up to be the savior. I mean, at least Kiffin, you know, at least Kiffin went to Florida Atlantic first and then then went to Ole Miss and kind of feels like Kiffin has a little up you know, upward momentum. Yeah. I don't know. Sark, man. I don't know if Sark is Sark is in some deep trouble. Texas is one of those jobs I was telling uh, Willie Duke earlier, like I, I would never want. I, I would never want the Texas football job. I would never want the Michigan football job. I'd never want to be a ref, a football ref, or a baseball umpire. Um, or work at a slaughterhouse. Or work in a slaughterhouse. I'd never <laughs> want to. I, I'd, ne- I'd never want to be famous. Because what what's the point? It, every one of those jobs is like a losing. It's like there's no win to it. There's only like a complete downfall to it. So, Somebody posted something the other day, and it wasn't about Sark, but it was um, oh, it was about Mario Bailey's tweets. That's right. But it said, "You can either die die a hero or live long enough to become a villain." <laughs> Oh, yeah, brilliant. I I remember that. I can't remember. Shout out to whoever said that because that that was, yeah, that's true. I almost want to say mad son, but I'm not sure. Well, or you be or or it's the polar opposite, like you're you're a villain your whole life until you're a hero, you know, cuz I can't help but root for Tom Brady now cuz yeah, cuz I I respect I respect the fucking winner. I I respect a Big dick swinging winner. Who doesn't? You know, I well, and to maintain it like that too is just amazing. Well, he didn't. He didn't throw it to Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Not Tom Brady's fault. <laughs> that was Wonder Boy's fault. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
Anyway, yeah. Anyway, I'll get I'll get on a I'll get on a I hate Russell Wilson tangent if I get going too much. Well, I've got my I've always loved Russell Wilson, but I I'm uh, I'm not his biggest fan and and at the moment and uh, but it's for reasons that we should keep off this podcast. But um, I uh. And uh, but you know I still I'll I still take, like I'll him. take your answer off the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, people don't like it if it gets political, and I totally understand that. So um, I, I think it was like uh, Coop Dog and I got together at uh, at the Twin Peaks Cafe. Was it last October? And we're going to get together next month again. Um, sure. And uh, and then so we we just sat there at a table. Uh, shooting the shit for an hour and a half and then I uploaded it and then people started complaining about political talk. I was like, was there political talk on there? I don't think that there was. And then people, oh, yes, there no. was. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize it. So, and I, I, I get not. it. I didn't notice. Maybe it was down my no. lane. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it, you know. So, all right, man. Well, uh, there's, you yeah. know, Don James and Chris Peterson are not walking through that door anytime soon, I guess is all we could say. I don't think Jim Lambright's walking through that door. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, well, we'll we'll talk again next week. Sounds good. All right, see you, man. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hu- hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is, which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level level of cyber peyote, peyote, come join Swain's Wigwarm. I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. (laughs) I'll have to read that one, but...